145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commands your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has the compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion in endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who, all who bow down. The, king, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Thank you so much, Zaria, and good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Etienne. Welcome to you as well from my end. If you're visiting, if you're new, if you're new on Zoom or in the building, great to have you along this morning. Uh, you've caught probably already, we're tracking our way through a sermon series of messages uh, on the Psalms. I was supposed to do a different Psalm this morning, Psalm 137, <laughs> but it's been pretty heavy. <laughs> through Psalm 72, 88, if you've been here the last two weeks, you know that we, we, we swam in deep waters. And I thought I might flip around 137 or 145 <laughs> and, and get us into perhaps something that is equally weighty, but perhaps so much more um, uh, happy, joyful, uh, delightful. And, and that's why I, I flicked it around and we were in Psalm 145 this morning. To kick it off, kick my message off, let me throw a, a quote on the screen for us. This is from Albert Einstein, who, I don't know, to the best of my knowledge, was, was not a, a, a Christian, you might say, but, but I want you to take his words here uh, for what they're worth. He or she, who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead 
his eyes are closed. You cannot, you've lost your ability to stand wrapped in awe and wonder and amazement. He's not telling us of what, but, but just generally. You're as good as dead. That's the claim that Einstein makes. I want to suggest to you that in a very similar way, this is kind of what Psalm 145 is about as well. And it goes into filling out a bit of who, what do we stand in awe of? So here's what I'm going to do. I want to, same as last week and the week before perhaps, quickly survey this psalm. It's a long psalm. There's a lot of words. I'm not going to do a lot of work on this. And then I want to flick around and go, you know, why is this important for you and for me? This whole issue of praise, this whole issue of standing in awe of, of as the psalm will tell us, who, who God is. Why is it important? What difference does it make to you and to me? In fact, there's a question that's a bit troublesome that I want to go into there as well. But come with me. We'll get there. Let's, let's step through this psalm. Um, at a, at, a, at a brief, brisk pace. You know, it starts out saying, God, I will exalt you. I will praise your name every day. I'll praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Exalt, praise, extol, extol, old language, old words, but praising, magnifying, showing off, saying to God how great he is, how good he is, how majestic he is, how marvellous he is, how strong he is, how powerful he is, how beautiful he is, talking up God. That's what it says. I will do. Every day of my life, progressing from every day in a daily basis to forever and ever into eternity, this is what I will do. That's what the psalmist says when he starts. And then he sort of fleshes it out. Why would I do that? Um, I'll go for summary statements. God, you're great. I don't know how you define what great is. <laughs> I had a great day yesterday. Um, I think this is a great pulpit. But, but, but greatness, true greatness, when is something truly great? Is it, is it standing in front of the rock and gazing up at it? Is it starry night sky? I don't know. I want you to grab hold of the most majestic concept you can take for greatness in your mind and <laughs> multiply that to a point where you can't grasp its dimensions. Great, are you? Um, one generation commends your work to another. Love the generational things. Generations will keep telling of your greatness as the generations go on. We spoke about this wonderfully at the Shed leadership meeting on Thursday, or, uh, meals meeting. Um, telling. But it's not just generations telling one generation to the next of who God is, how great he is, what he's done. It's as each generation goes forward God does new stuff. He adds in how he does, in who he reaches, who he saves, how he transforms. He, he adds to his greatness by, as each generation goes, he does more and more and more and more to add to his story, to the revelation of his greatness. 
And so it endures on and on and on into eternity. I'll meditate on your wonderful works, your awesome works, your great deeds. Now we get into a bit of a definition of what is the greatness of God. His deeds. What has he done? His works. Here we can hover for a long time, but we need to look at the creation around us. The sun we feel today. Power and glory of what God reveals about himself in the exquisite beauty and the flowers that you see in your garden. Those are all his great works. Look in the mirror. It's a great work. Right? Even for me. <laughs> Even for me. But that's small. Small in comparison to the great work of love that he shows on the cross. Not just making us, but purchasing us from our own sin, our own corruption, our own whatever else is not right about us. His deeds, his works, what he has done paramount, climactically in Jesus. This is what he has done. This is who he is. It makes him great. And he builds that testimony of the greatness as the generations go by. And for that we ought to say, rightly, God, you are great. Not only are you great for your works, you're a gracious king. Uh, you're, you're gracious, you're compassionate. And it talks about God's kingdom and the splendour of his kingdom as an everlasting kingdom. Again, we could say so much here about the grace of God. That that's what he wants to be known for. Not treating me as I deserve, but according to his love and unfailing compassion and care for me and for you and for all that he has made. And no matter who you are, or what you've done, or how undeserving or ashamed you may be, of what you see in the mirror perhaps, or thinking of your life, God loves you, he is gracious and compassionate and will be and always has been. It's who he is. Forever. <laughs> God, you're faithful. <laughs> God is never going to give up on you. Has never give up on you, given up on you despite the stuff we trudged through last week and the week before. God will be there. God will meet you in your hour of greatest need. Always there. Always faithful. Always trustworthy. <laughs> Forever and ever. God, you're, you're faithful. Uh, God, you're righteous. Righteous here is... Yeah, preacher's workshop, long conversation about righteousness last, last time we met. Here it's a, a case of if you call out to God genuinely, sincerely, he will hear your cry, he will answer you. He's there, dependable, reliable. So we move on. The conclusion of the psalm is, let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. You'll note if you read through the psalms as a book, from Psalm 1 to 150, 
that the whole book of Psalms finishes, Psalm 146 to 150, are all praise psalms, all psalms that does sort of similar things to what we read this morning. A psalm that tells us, let every creature praise God. In fact, the very word psalm in Hebrew is tehillim. It literally means praise. These are the praises of God. Right? And the, the, the thing we need to get from that is that praise and standing in the point where we can say all these things Great are you, God, for you are faithful, for you are gracious, for you are compassionate, for you are righteous. That is the point of the whole book of Psalms. It's the point of your life. It's the point of humanity in its most noble purpose. It's the point of this church. The point of everything we do is to reach the point that the end of the psalm Psalms reaches and you say, the goal towards everything moves is the praise of God. Which now brings us to the relevant question I want to put to you and then we'll apply a bit to us. I ask this cautiously. We're Aussies, right? Oi, oi, oi. What do we do with a person who draws attention to themselves and outright declares that you should praise me? What do we do with tall poppies? <laughs> Cut them down. We don't do this. This is not, not our thing. I would argue it's not at the root in the heart of any of humanity. Um, isn't this a bit egocentric of God? of a being who comes and says, the point of your whole life is to praise me. <laughs> Does that rub you up a bit wrongly? It, it certainly did for me. I, and, and at some stage in my journey towards God, it, it certainly has for one of the greatest Christian writers who I want to let speak to us a bit today. His name's C.S. Lewis. Um, he, he, he commented, he said... We despise the man who demands. C.S. Lewis would be offended at my grammar there, to be honest. <laughs> Continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, or delightfulness. <laughs> so, what do we do with that? What 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 do we um? What do we make of it? How do we get to a point of not just okayness, but to say, yeah, this, this, is, this is as it should be. It's right that the goal of my whole life, all of humanity, is to praise God. All right. I'll say a couple of things. Firstly, in short, it is right for me to praise God. And I'll give you an illustration of why. Pete is a piano player who played the piano for us. I too play piano, believe it or not. <laughs> Pete is a brilliant piano player. It is right 
that we should praise his piano playing abilities more than mine. Why? Well, because simply it is markedly better than mine. It's nothing like mine. It would be stupid of me to say, it's not right that you should praise Pete's piano playing abilities. You should praise his and mine equally. What a stupid thought. God is no man. <laughs> it is right that he ought to be praised. If you, if I understand, if we have even the faintest glimpse of who he is, if he graciously grants us but the smallest, tiniest drop in an ocean of insight of who he is, <laughs> this is not a question. Or at least it's a simple question with a simple answer. <laughs> it is right. It is nothing but right that I should praise one as glorious, as great, as full of splendour as God himself in all his virtues and characteristics that he reveals, his love, his grace, his holiness, his splendour. It is simply right. But here's the interesting thing that I discovered. It's not just right for us to praise God. It's good for us to praise God. Not just right, as in it should happen, Irony of ironies, it's good. You need it. It's healthy for you. In fact, if you can't and if you don't, you'll be severely set back in terms of the life that God has called you to live. And you might say, well, how on earth does that work? How's it good for me? How does it help me to defer all praise and, and, and magnifying from someone other than me to something or someone else? How does it help me? How does it bless me? Not that that's its primary purpose, but incidentally, in the goodness of God, it also is doing that. So again, let me give you another illustration. I... Uh, can I keep picking on the Atkins family this morning? <laughs> I have to. Um, can, I, can I ask Pete, Reggie, can you come up? Sorry, I should have teed this up, but I didn't. I, 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 I got distracted. I was going to use Dana for this, but she's not here. Maybe that's why. She, um, this is Peter and Reggie, everybody. Um, they're married. They dearly love each other. And now I want to just use an illustration. I'm sure... Do you take your wife on dates sometimes? It has been known. <laughs> Have you taken her on dates in the early days? All right, right. Let's reverse to the early days when Peter used to take Reggie on lots of dates. I'm sure that at some point along that road, one of the things that Peter did, and I'm sure Reggie did the same for Peter, is as he was in love with her, at some times... You expressed that love and say, you know, this is what I really like and love about you. He told her. He praised her. And she did him, right? This is what we do. 
Do you know what happened in that moment? What happened in that moment is that Pete's enjoyment of Reggie reached its climax. Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should have been more often. But can you imagine a couple in love? Peter goes, I'm wrapped about all these virtues and lovely things about this person and I'm never going to tell her. Ever. It's real. Yeah, well, for whatever reason. His, his enjoyment of it will never reach its full destination or its full, um, its, its full climax. It's only when that praise is expressed, when it's offered, when it's given. And in this context, it can be between two friends. It can be a leadership team where leaders are praising each other. It can be in a marriage context, in a, in a, in a gathered context, no less, that it reaches its fullness. <laughs> right? Can you see? He needs to praise her for his own sake, much less her sake, or others. And Thank you. You can, you can take your seat. You, thank you. That's all you needed to do. <laughs> uh, isn't that marvellous that God, I think, uh, gives us praise for that reason? Here's C.S. Lewis again. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment it is an appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. Your delight in God, if such exists, is incomplete until you've expressed it. <laughs> That's why you need it. Why it's good for you. And in fact, C.S. Lewis goes on to say, interestingly, he says, the humblest and at the same time the most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, the misfits and the malcontents praised least. Think about that. Think about your own life. I'm sure the people of God whom you admire most, who are enduring the most severest of afflictions are doing so because they're people who know how to praise God. People who are crankiest, most miserable, most selfish, are people who praise least. And it's because of this. It's because praising God Elevates your joy in God, your encounter with God, your experience of God, and so you need it. You need it most when it's most difficult, when you're most cranky, most angry, most whatever. My point, I think, is clear. We need praise. You and I need praise as children of God. So, let's bring this to a close then. How developed, can I ask you, is your ability to enjoy God in praise? Can I dare asking you to score yourself, perhaps, if that's if you're a Christian, and you may not be here. I want to talk to you if you're not a Christian as well very shortly, but if, if you are, if you consider yourself a child of God, score yourself on 1 to 10, if you don't mind. Singing in church. <laughs> Does it complete 
consummate your enjoyment of God? It should at least be a contributing factor. That's why we sing. Partly at least. (laughs) Do you come expecting that it would do that? That that is why we sing? (laughs) We sing because that brings us into the place where our enjoyment of God reaches a height of sorts. Right? You say, I'm not a singing type. What about your prayer life? Have you ever entered a time of prayer or devotional time and the only prayers you prayed were prayers exclaiming, extolling, praising the greatness of God? God, you are great and gracious, and faithful, and awesome. And the splendour of your majesty is boundless. In Jesus' name, Amen. Devotion over. We ought to have that. You need it. I need it. As a group in prayer, or in many groups... Have we ever called a prayer meeting to praise God? That's it. I'm not saying that should be our prayers all the time, every time. But it also can't never be our prayers. Not if the goal of our whole lives is the praise of God, right? <laughs> it's interesting, one scholar talks about the Psalms and, and he says, most of my prayers and your prayers move between two things, asking God for stuff and then saying thank you for stuff. He says, if you do a careful look at the Psalms, it moves between two other things. Complaining to God about things he hasn't done yet that is the breakup of the reality we spoke about in Psalm 72. God, you're good and you're loving, you're gracious, compassionate, but I'm going through this. Where are you? What's going on? Moves from that, it's called lament, to I praise you, God, for who you are. They're the two things the Psalms do most. And I think generally we, perhaps, I speak for myself, can grow in that. You see the Psalms have a very different relationship with God. In many ways it's much more intimate. It's much more close. It's much more upfront and real with God. It's not about receiving stuff and asking for stuff. It's calling his character into reality and action. And praising him and thanking him for that character, even if he hasn't done what we asked him to do, definitely when he did. It's between a person and a person. Much deeper, perhaps, than much of my prayer. Right. Let's finalise. Let me just talk to you. If I said 1 to 10, how good are you, or how, how, how much of your life is spent in praise of God, um, what have you said? Zero. I'm not in awe or wonder of God at all. New to church, new to God, in search of something that satisfies. Firstly, if that's you today on Zoom or here, you're in the right place. don't know why you're here, but I suspect because you are in search of awe. Maybe 
you've looked for it and so many other things and all the other things have failed you. You're in the right place and in the right search because as a human you are wired to stand in awe and wonder. This is, I would argue, the human's greatest need, your greatest need. My prayer and hope for you today is that perhaps God in his grace will reveal to you the glory and splendour of his love for you. In such a way that you are satisfied that it hits the spot. You know you're loved, made, loved, redeemed, and that you can begin a journey of standing in the ever-increasing awe of who he is and what he has done in Christ for you. Would you begin that journey today? Would you pray? Simple prayer. God, I need to stand in awe of you. I want to. Help me. Please, pray with me. God, in some ways I've spoken the words already of this prayer. And may I ask that for any here today who are indeed in that place, there's no way we can grasp enough of who you are to move us, to say, yes, we believe in you. We accept your word about your works done for us in Christ on the cross, your love for us. Unless you help us. Would you help the brother or help the sister here today who wants that? Despite not understanding much of Christianity, religion, faith, church, all that, but knowing that there is an awe missing and a deep search for that. In your grace, Lord, would you show it? Would you give it? And Father, for those who belong to you, would you increase it? Not in a self-centred, consumerist sort of a way, but in a way that raises up true praise for you. Because <laughs> it's right. Because you're God. And we're not. And Lord, secondary, that our enjoyment of you may increase, may build <laughs> to such an extent that it drives us to hope, <laughs> to faith, to love, and by it enduring anything that the world, the devil, and our own flesh throws against us. Lord, we praise you, we thank you, and we glorify your name. Amen. I'm going to invite our musicians to come up and yet again lead us in another praise song. Um, please pour your heart into it uh, for Christ's sake. Thank you.